Just waiting whilst Emily takes selfies. <laughs> Is it a good one? Yeah. Share it with the group. I look, I look like an egghead. <laughs> Fucking new haircut. Hello passengers, this is your captain speaking and welcome to this episode of The One That Got A Gay. But who does that benefit? You know, ultimately, who wins in that situation? No one. Welcome back to another episode of The One That Got A Gay with me, Alex Brannan. And this other woman who's had a beautiful haircut. That is so kind of you. Thank you for noticing. It's actually almost too nice for you. How dare you? Mm. My usual kind of street rat look has gone. It's funny because you so rarely have your haircut. You become used to what you look like <laughs> when you normally. When you look really dishevelled. So when you then have a haircut, I'm like... Wow. I'm like one of those dogs with long hair on those like adverts, you know, yeah. that like shake their the fur. The slow-mo and... advert they do, yeah. Yeah, that's me, baby. Af- Afghan hound, I think they're called. I the am Afghan an Afghan hound. hound. Yeah. yeah, I'd put the emphasis on the hound more than the <laughs> Afghan <laughs> or hound. But anyway. It's always very embarrassing when I go to the hairdresser because I have to explain, I feel like I have to overcompensate because I'm like... <laughs> Hi, and then I'm like, what? I haven't had because my because it's been so long since they saw you last. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's been a year since I had my last haircut, and I don't use conditioner, so that's always a really fun conversation. As a to man have. with very curly hair, I know the importance of conditioner. Okay, luscious locks, mm-hmm. and I go to this amazing salon in East London. Not another salon. Going to plug it. They're not going to give you a free haircut. You literally don't go often enough for them to give you free haircuts. <laughs> the ble- Who are you? <laughs> but it's just the most beautiful, amazing place. Somebody did the splits today while I was getting my haircut. I had tea, biscuits, and the colours that people dye their hair in there is out of control. I started fangirling this girl. I was like, oh my God, your hair's so pink. She's like, have you had jaws cut? And I was like, don't be kind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm clearly a before, not an after. Come on. You weren't encouraged to do crazy hair colour. Right. Al, let's be real. If I can't cut my hair every four to six months, can you imagine the root situation if I dyed it? It's very trendy nowadays, though, to have very long roots. Or is that trend now moved on? I can't keep up. Oh, my goodness. Well, you don't need to. And what are you going to do? Oh my God, you should do the tips of your curls. You know how people used to do. Like Justin Timberlake used to do his. Yeah, like your oh little... I can remember actually trying to get my parents to dye my hair when I was younger. Oh yeah. Yeah. My brother did oh, it. He looked like a tips. hedgehog that had been dipped in paint. It was bad. It's a it is a vision. But I don't mind saying that because he used to tell me that I looked like my emptied my makeup bag on my face whenever I did my makeup. No. Well, speaking of family... This week, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to revisit a previous story. (laughs) Can you guess whose? It's Emily. (laughs) Because it'll let you into a little secret. Mm. We actually recorded Emily's episode way back in February. Yes, it was lockdown. We may have broken the rules. But lots has changed in Emily's life since we recorded that episode. Lots has changed in all of our lives since we recorded that episode, we have to admit. So, we thought we'd take the opportunity to update you on Emily's life Mm. with a particular focus on how things have changed in your family. So, without further ado, it's all about me. (laughs) 
We only like to ask meaningful questions on this podcast, Emily. So my first question to you this week is, given the choice, would you be a singer, a dancer, or an actor? <laughs> I'll take that as a singer. I'm just kidding. We do ask meaningful questions on this podcast. And my genuine first meaningful question to you is, how have things changed since we recorded your first episode of the podcast back in February? I think doing this podcast always felt like quite a big moment for me in my coming out journey, to be honest, Al. And a big thing for me when I recorded back in February was that my brother didn't know that I was gay. And I think I kind of pushed it off like, yeah, we'll release, we'll release, we'll release. And I'll just deal with the, I'll deal with, I'll deal with it, I'll deal with it. And, you know, obviously we got to a position where you, you forced me to come out to my brother because of the, the launch of the podcast. I basically outed you to the rest of your family. Yeah. <laughs> that is a joke, by the way. I just want to clarify that is a joke. <laughs> I definitely did not force Emily to come out of the closet. <laughs> I have it written down. I have it in a text message. She said I had the authority to release the podcast <laughs> when I did. But it kind of, it came to a natural point where I thought it's time it's time to tell my brother and, and what better way to do it than in a podcast? In a podcast, surprise! My brother's lived abroad for a long time and I think that we've got much closer recently and that's a lot to do with my, you know, a, a recent addition to our family and that my he's got married and I've got a, an amazing sister-in-law that's really brought us close together. And yeah, so I went and stayed with my sister-in-law and my brother and my sister-in-law always has asked me, are you dating anyone? Women, men, tell me. And it got to a point where would she would she ask you if women or men? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's inclusive. We like that. Yeah, but we got to a point where she was like, "Um, when I started following you on Instagram, I looked at who you followed, and it was all LGBTQ drag queens, everything." Holy shit! She was like do you have something to tell me? And I was like, well, actually, and I'd kind of built up in my mind that I was going to tell them this weekend that I was staying with them. So I said, well, yeah, I'm starting to see someone and I'm gay. And you said she, it like that? You yeah, said, I'm gay? I'm gay. That's and that so was, brave. It was, a, it was big. It was really big. And she she's grown up um, around a lot of gay men. They're a big influence in her life. And her mum opened... Um, like a gay nightclub and it was the first one in the area that she lived. So Who is this woman? Like Carly Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, you know, she was she was great and she was so accepting and so loving. But my brother wasn't part of that conversation. We were kind of walking to the pub and we were walking ahead. It was a casual walk to the pub chat. Walk to the pub chat, you know. Yeah, I'm gay. That's going to get a pint. And so later on at the end of the night, she kind of looked at me as if to say, it's the three of us, now's the time. So I kind of told, I told my brother, you said, you know, I'm, I date women. I'm seeing someone at the moment. I don't think I used the G word with, with him. I, I think I just kind of, you know, talked about dating women. And he kind of went, that's all right. That's all right, Em. And it was so, it was so strange because it felt like such a big moment for someone in my intimate family who didn't know, and it, you know, for me, it sounds really strange, but I feel like being gay and agonising over being gay is dragged on. <laughs> it's been a real drag. It's really dragged on for a long time. And so for him to finally know, 
I was like, wow, this is a bit, this is a really big moment. Because in... that was the last person in your family to find out, right? So, no, there's still cousins and uncles. Oh, but, but in your immediate in family. My immediately yeah. fa- in my immediate family. Yeah, this was the, the last piece of the jigsaw, really. And it was just so, such a, an amazing moment because it sounds really strange, but my brother's got tattoos, but because our parents are very traditional, he's never showed anyone in our family his tattoos. I mean, he's got like a sleeve, he's got tattoos on his Ooh. upper torso. Has he got a tramp stamp? <laughs> he's got a leg sleeve. He's just covered. <laughs> but he's... Really? Wow. No, 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 he hasn't. He's just got... Oh, like... <laughs> okay. So it was a, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing. Everyone talks about it, but no one's seen it kind of thing. And and he put on a T-shirt and showed me all of his tattoos. And it was this really beautiful moment where I opened up to him. And I know that it's not comparable, you know, being gay and having tattoos. But I think for both of us, it was a way that we'd diverted and a way that we'd altered the image that our parents had set for us. And it was kind of us coming together. And uh, I said to my brother, I know that there's, you feel that you've disappointed mum and dad in X, Y and Z way. But I just want to let you know that I felt like that as well, because I'm gay. And it was just this really lovely moment where we really came together. And since then, you know, we've been for lunch with my partner. We hang out and go on like double dates and it's really helped to integrate me being with a woman into our family dialogue. Mm. It's not easy. It's still it's still hard. Um, I think the parent that struggled with it still struggles. And Well, we'll come on to that later. But what I want to understand is this isn't the first time I've heard this kind of idea of people looking into people's Instagrams to see who they're following. Really? Because I know somebody else who isn't fully out at the moment and they are very paranoid about following or liking anybody's photos on Instagram because they don't want to see people to see them doing that because they immediately assume that they'll know. And I was like, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Like, no, one's, no one cares enough to go into your follower, followers list on Instagram and find out who you're following. But apparently, it's something people do. Maybe it's what nosy people do. Yeah. I, maybe... love, you, I love you, sis, but... <laughs> Get a life. <laughs> When we spoke back in February, and I mean, that literally obviously wasn't the last time we spoke, but when you and I had a conversation back in February about this, and we recorded your first episode, you were very open and very candid and very brave about how you described the relationship with one of your parents not being ideal. And I'm interested to know what the state of that relationship is now, sort of eight months down the line from when we spoke in February, March. Since that time, I have entered into a wonderful new relationship and I think that that relationship has been really pivotal in having that support and having that person to help me, you know, bridge the gap and and enter into my my family with, as Emily, the gay woman with her partner. I thought we'd made quite good progress because things were being normalized you know I live with my partner now I've moved city but that's progress in your mind so how was that progress manifesting itself for your parents to my mind the progress was that 
things were starting to be normalised, that I was mentoring my, mentioning my partner on calls. You know, my parents came and visited and met my partner, saw the house. But actually, you know, my, my understanding is that my parent that was less accepting is still struggling with the situation. And, you know, there's me thinking, I'm living my best gay life. It's all becoming part of the family dialogue. It's all becoming normal, in inverted commas. But to my understanding, this parent is still really struggling about actually what the reality of me living my best gay life looks like, which is going on the mortgage, a potential, you know, potential children, marriage, all of these things, which ideally they would like me to do with a man. And ultimately it keeps on coming back to this vision of how they saw my life being. When you're a, a parent, it must be that you have so many hopes and so many dreams for your child. And I think for that certain generation, that was the nuclear family, a stable job, a nice house. But I think certainly for me, and I think more for our generation, that is fulfillment, happiness, freedom. And it's much more down to the individual and what they want for their life. I would be lying if I didn't say I was disappointed because for me, I felt apologetic about who I am for most of my life. And to a certain extent, I don't want to put myself back in that cage and that mindset of having to take on the weight of other people's expectations to the detriment of my own happiness. So I'm still trying to live that best gay life and just give the situation time and patience and love. With all that said, how comfortable are you now in yourself? I remember when we released the podcast and I sent you a message and I said, I have never been more proud to be gay. I've honestly, this podcast has just been so important to me and me being proud of my identity. And I think that I am, I am very proud of being gay. I am very proud of who I am, but there's still an inner saboteur Mm. that, you know, crops its ugly head every now and then. There are, friends that I grew up with in my little village that do not know. There are family members that do not know. And how does that play on your mind? It plays on my mind because I'm like, if I'm proud and if I'm living a good life, why can't I share that with everyone? And I think that does ultimately come down to the family piece where I don't want to cause anguish for the parent that struggles. And actually that's not really allowed me to be fully free in this situation because there's still an element of disappointment and unacceptance, which I think does play on me and, Mm. you know, does does impact me. It speaks to that thing there about how much do you lose of yourself to protect other people? Mm. Because in reality, in this situation, everybody is losing. You're losing because you don't, you can't be who you want to be fully. Your parents losing because they don't get to enjoy a relationship with you that is meaningful because it's not rooted in, in reality or the reality they want for you. I don't I don't really know what to say. It just makes me sad, I guess. Maybe sad's a bit of a simple word for it, but it just makes me sad that we can't just understand that some people find happiness and purpose, and that's frankly what we're kind of all here for, right? And some people just do it in a different way. It doesn't all have to be the same as what was done before. 
And I think that's what makes me, you know, sad about your situation is that I've never seen you happier. As you say, I've never seen you more proud to be who you are as a person. But that's very jarring mm. for somebody who is very important to you. It's always at the back of my mind. And I think that my natural personality is that I am a bit of a people pleaser. Like I like to be everyone's friends. It it impacts me when I feel like I've upset or I've disappointed someone. And I think particularly in the context of your parents, a lot of people feel like that. A lot of people don't want to be a disappointment and they want their parents to be proud. And, you know, I think that whilst I'm not Einstein, you know, I haven't, I haven't discovered something. I'm not a genius. I have achieved, I have achieved things in my life. And I think I do have things that I can be proud of. And I think that one of them is kind of conquering this and actually being myself and living an authentic life. And I know that, I know that we always like authentic life, authentic life, but I think it is, you know, what's the, what's the alternative for me? Finding a boyfriend, being like, oh God, that was all a silly saga that I moved to London and it, the cosmopolitanness affected me and I'll settle down with a guy and I'll have children. And But who does that benefit? You know, ultimately, who wins in that situation? No one. If you're privileged enough to be given an opportunity to do another update in eight months' time... <laughs> What do you hope to be able to say on that update? I would love to be able to say, I'm starting a new job at the beginning of next year, and I would love to be able to say, I walked into the office, somebody asked me, do you have a partner? Or do you have a boyfriend? And I go, I've got a girlfriend. And I, I'd love to just start in a new situation. I think part of starting a new job is to a certain extent, you can reinvent yourself a bit. And part of that for me would be really great to walk in and be really gay and out and proud. And I don't want to regress back into this apologetic, well, actually, this is a very awkward situation for you and for me because I'm gay and you didn't know because apparently I don't look like what a gay person should look like. And, you know, let's, you know, everybody's talking about the fact that the new girls are a lesbian and I don't, I, you know, and I think I, I need to let go of that. It's sad that it plays on your mind though mm. you're starting a new job it's meant to be really exciting but you're already worrying about and you already have anxiety about coming out again at work and look i'm very happy to i'm of the i'm of the view that we are a minority we'll always have to probably do more work than the majority have to do we will be coming out every day for the rest of our lives but the whole point about lots of the movement around diversity equity inclusion and stuff at work particularly is making it more comfortable for us to be able to do that I think what you're saying is you really hope that when you go into that jazzy new office, people don't say things like what I what I was asked when I started my recent job, which was, have you got a missus? Like the first question I was asked basically was, do you have a missus? So assumptive. And it's just like, fucking hell. Have we not moved on? The worst bit about that for me when I've been asked at work if I've got a boyfriend or a husband or when somebody assumes that my partner that I speak about is male is that I then feel embarrassed for the person that's asked the question. So I overcompensate in my answer being like, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, but I've got a and girlfriend. yet again, the guilt is back on you. Yeah, you know, for accommodating the fact that you've not been accommodated in the question that they've asked. And I don't want to be 
hypersensitive. But I think also put yourselves in the shoes of the person that you're asking the question to. Well, I'm very excited to start this new job. It's a different industry. It's it's tech. It's young. It feels like a young startup vibe. So if I am still around in months to come, maybe I can update you on how it went, if I'm allowed. Well, I, for one, feel very privileged that we got to hear an update on your story this week, Emily. So thank you for sharing that with us. You should be privileged. And I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank everybody who's been sending lots of love and lots of constructive feedback on the podcast and who are rating and subscribing. And just want to express again how important it is that you do those things. We get more reach if you rate this podcast, if you subscribe to this podcast, if you leave a review. So please go into the Apple Podcast app or into the Spotify app and do that because that's the only way our message will get out and the people who need to hear this will hear this. So thank you in advance for doing that. It's very, very easy. It will take three seconds for you to go and rate the podcast and subscribe. And for Apple, it's the subscribing that counts. So please, please go and subscribe. Also rate and subscribe to our Instagram where I'll post a picture of my new haircut. Be kind. Yeah, I'm going on holiday next week. So I might suggest that if we get to at least 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts by the time I go on holiday, and we're not far off, guys, I might share some topless pics. (laughs) That nobody wants to see. Yeah, based on how much I've been eating recently, it's probably really something people don't want to see. But anyway, keep that in mind when you're rating and reviewing. So thanks again, Emily. And until next week... And by the way, next week's a fucking good episode. I'm sorry. It's, I can't express how excited I am for next week's episode. This was a good one. I'll admit this was a good one. But next week's one is so good. I'm so excited to share that with you all. I will be otherwise engaged next week. So Mr. Brannon will be flying solo for this incredible episode of the podcast. I heard you might be taking part in those Insulate Britain protests. <laughs> So if you see Emily gluing her face to the Heathrow Airport runway, probably to spite me as I'm about to go on holiday, don't be surprised. But my hair will look fantastic, so rate and subscribe. That marks the end of this episode of The One That Got A Gay. Thank you for listening and thank you for sticking with us. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to get involved in the podcast or if you'd like to share a story or ask us a question. Please reach out to us via Instagram at the one that got a gay or via Gmail, the one that got a gay at gmail.com. Love you. Bye.